Welcome to Rumble Strip. Now, Bill, I let the ultrasound girls know that you're up for that, and I have the paperwork over on their side, so they'll come and get you, okay. and they'll do that, and then, and then the rat will look at you know the ultrasound and the pictures together, and go from there. Okay, thank okay. you so much. You did great. Thanks a lot. This is the sound of the waiting room at the breast care center at the University of Vermont. I thought it was nice that in a cancer place, they were playing music from the 70s that I loved when I was five. It's a very pleasant place. I was there for a third mammogram and an ultrasound on my left breast where they'd found a thing. I wasn't that nervous. This isn't the first time a thing has shown up on a mammogram, and it's happened to a lot of women I know. And as it turned out, I didn't have cancer, not in my left breast anyway. But the thing about this visit to the breast care center was that my friend Susan was coming two hours later for radiation treatment. Just a few weeks before me, Susan had her own cancer scare, but then it turned out she had cancer. A lot of you who listen to the show regularly already know Susan. She's a private investigator and an old friend of mine, and I interview her now and then for the show. And it's important to say right now that I think Susan's going to be fine. The cancer hasn't spread, she doesn't need chemo, and she's almost done with her radiation therapy. But the diagnosis has made her think a little differently about things. I wanted to talk about what it's been like for her these past couple months and what it's like for both of us, almost 50, our kids almost grown, with a growing awareness of our own mortality. I met her at Radiation Oncology before her treatment. Welcome. Um, look at this, you have your own cubby where you come in and you get to Strip down from the waist up. There's a little cupboard with gowns. You start seeing the same people. So it'll be like some old guy with, you know, a gown on from here down, and you know he's probably got prostate cancer, and then he's looking at you with your gown on from your waist up, and he's like, oh, she's probably got breast cancer. But, um, yeah, people are so nice here. So nice. So I'm putting on this little gown, and then you get to have a really sexy exposed low back thing going on. It's really nice. <laughs> I have invasive ductal carcinoma and I was lucky it was tiny tumor when they and there were some DCIS cells around it. So they recommend that you do radiation for four weeks, which is what I'm doing right now. Basically, the image that the radiation oncologist got, gave me was like, it would be like if there was like a bunker and you were just like firing at the bunker, you stay on it because otherwise there's stragglers that can get away. So they just, it's like heavy artillery at the bunker so nobody gets out. You just destroy the bunker. You destroy the DNA so they can't keep replicating cancer cells. Um, oh. Is it apoptosis? Are you, are you creating cell death? Um, I don't. I, I just wanted so. to use that word. I just said, well, it's a good one. Apoptosis. I'm Apoptosis is natural cell death, and all cells die. But when you have cancer, they don't respond to their programming when it's time to die. So then they just replicate. I thought you'd be. That's really what do you think of me now? I think you're like the smartest girl in the changing room. Um. Good to go on Susan Randall today for her start of the mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
You know, my mom had breast cancer when I was in seventh or eighth grade. She never had the invasive cells. Then my sister got lobular breast cancer. So I'm the youngest of three girls. So it's kind of like we're the classic sort of sister study for people studying breast cancer because it's like my mom and then my sister got it. Ironically, my using my insurance deductible was the whole thing that drove me finding out that I even had breast cancer. So if I hadn't suggested like, oh, do you think I should get an MRI just because my insurance will cover it because I'm in this high risk group, I would have no idea that I have breast cancer right now. Because my deductible, because I'd had enough stuff, it was like, oh, with your timing belt, your brake pads. It was like, well, you might as well put the thing up on the lift. Like, if my body was a car at this point, they'd be like, you know what, you should just junk it. You know, it's just the humbling, like, late 40s, about to turn 50. Um, these are our cancer years. These are the cancer years, yeah. But I go back for my yearly checkup with my boob doc, and she's like, get the MRI if they'll cover it. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to get an MRI of my really healthy boobs so that we know what really healthy Susan looks like. And um, boom, there's this thing. And so they're like, oh, it's tiny. It's probably not a big deal. Why don't you come on in for an ultrasound? It's an interesting piece of this whole thing is that's what you hear every step because it's calming. Oh, sure, yeah, there's very little chance it's anything. So then you go in and you get the MRI. And they're like, yeah, 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 this is just a baseline. And they're like, oh, there is something. But that little something might not be anything. So we'll just do an ultrasound and it'll be nothing. And they're like, oh, we can't even see it. It's probably nothing. But if you want, if you're going to be extra cautious, you can go back in the MRI and we'll do an MRI-assisted biopsy. So I'm like, yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? I kind of like to run that down. And then you go in and you do the MRI-assisted biopsy. And it's like, yep, you have invasive ductal adenocarcinoma. It's positive. And I'm like, positive, like, positive, like, that's a good thing? Or positive, like, I have freaking cancer. I have cancer? I have cancer? So there's so much stuff around that in our culture because it's everything from, like, somebody has a month to half the subway car has cancer of some kind. And so then you go back and you meet your doctor, and the next thing you know, it's like, okay. This is your medical oncologist. This is your radiation oncologist. You're going to have to get a lumpectomy. We're going to shoot a dye into your boob. Then we're going to take out your lymph nodes. And then there's going to be a whole series of tests. And whatever comes back on those tests is going to determine, do you keep your boob? Do you lose your boob? Do you get chemotherapy? Do you not get chemotherapy? Do you get radiation? Do you not get radiation? You know, um, and then there's this whole like language that you have to learn, which is like, what is stage one? What is stage two? What is stage three? What is level one, two, or three? How fast are the cells, you know, how fast is the mitosis? And all of a sudden you're back to like eighth grade biology. Like, Jesus, this is my new reality. Like I have to remember what all this science means. Right, suddenly mitosis matters again. Matter. It totally matters. So there's all these things and I'm like, is that good? Is that bad? You know, you find out, are you BRCA1 or BRCA2? I wasn't. BRCA, BRCA, BRCA. And then there's like... You might have one doc that's like, oh, that looks like level two. And the other doc's like, oh, that looks like level one. Or actually, we took a big chunk of your boob out, and it doesn't really look like it went out of the ductal. And then there's a study out of Italy that says that, no, oh, man, maybe we don't even call it cancer. Good to go.
And then there's like a weird kind of like Myers-Briggs moment where it's like you're sitting with the genetic counselor and they're like, are you the kind of person that wants to know everything even if you can't do squat about it? And I'm like, yep. I'm that kind of person. I want to know everything. When the the um, doctor asked you the question, did you know automatically that you were a person that wanted to know everything, or did you have to wonder? Are you kidding me? No. If you could find out, like, this is how you're going to die on September 7th of the year 2037, do you want to know that? No. Do you? Yes. Oh, my God, are you serious? Because it would just inform everything. So if somebody told you, like, yeah, you're dying on September 7th, 2037, you're not going to be doing your taxes on September 6th, 2037, right? In some ways, it's like, wouldn't you feel like a dumbass if, you, like, you spent the day getting your tires changed and you were going to die the next day? I definitely don't want to spend it, like, you know, yelling at my kid. She just moved her head. You're good, though. Good to go. I don't think that this is what's going to take me out. I mean, I may be wrong, but I feel very sure that, you know, I'm far more likely to, like, have a crackhead push me down the stairs and, like, break my neck. I'm far more likely to get T-boned in some random intersection in Phoenix, Arizona when I'm on a trip. I don't feel like this is going to be the thing that takes me out. What this is going to do, though, is tell me... You gotta slow down. This has been like this massive check engine light. It's not really like, oh, what's the meaning of my life? As much as it's like, are you really living your life? Are you really living it? Living your life according to your priorities. So even just getting the radiation is sort of like the outside universe, like, like a bolt of lightning from above that's just like, hey, I'm not going to kill you. Just slow down. Just sit on your couch. Be there when your kids get home. Don't say anything. Just be there. Be the house cat. Just be that, like, presence. Just, I, I honestly had never sat on my own couch. I didn't even know I had a great view at like 1.30 in the afternoon. I have an amazing view out of my living room. I did also notice a lot more dust. But one thing it really has made me aware of is the energy that I enter my family with after a long day of work. That there's this sort of like sphere around me of whatever the day has entailed, I feel a lot more aware of that now, having sat on the couch for a month or two, watching them come home. If you're putting out fires and like juggling plates all day, you kind of come in the house and immediately you're like directing traffic, like, what's up with all the dishes in the sink? And did anybody like the wood stove? And like, hey, do you guys like blah, 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 blah. As opposed to like, why don't you connect and then direct? Connect first. And I didn't even have that awareness before this. 80% of my commentary to Henry is, is, have you thought about, did you, why aren't you? Right. And schedule. 
and schedule, like, right, and logistics. Right. Did or, you bring or, home the consent form? Did you give her the check? What's the schedule? Who's giving you a ride? Are you warm enough? Okay. And is your necklace going to be okay? Oh, it's yeah. right, we're on the yeah, booster. Totally we're on the booster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. All right, so we're going to go to 18-4. How has your relationship to work changed? I'm realizing with this diagnosis and turning 50 in a few weeks... Um, this is there's this inevitability about getting older and you know there's it's sort of like the road divides it's kind of like you're either going to say like I'm 50 and I can't do all that stuff anymore yeah. or you're going to say I have to do all this stuff so I can still do that yeah. so in other words in order for me to still like go out and snowboard with my kids or you know swim out to the island and back or do my backflip off the deck you know what I mean off the dock in order to do the stuff that you do you're gonna have to put a lot more energy into like it's um well, and it, it's also about you know it's also about for women in coming into our 50s there is a way in which we're we're sort of entering the the our age of invisibility you know I don't want to call them invisible years because it sounds really negative. But in a way, you all you become a little bit lower profile. You mean in terms of like getting like all that attention when you're like a young woman, like the world notices you because your pheromones are like, oh, I'm a breeder, I'm a breeder. You do right. become kind of invisible, and you and they people say, ma'am, I've been names? totally ma'amed. Well, try working on a case where you're like the cougar at the bar. Where it's what? like, oh my god, I can't tell them that I'm here because it's an oxy case, and I'm keeping an eye on them. They think I'm here trying to go home with some UVM like frat boy. I'm like, no, I'm not. Right, here we go. Keep your chin up for me. Hold your breath. Breathe. And then there's just the, uh, you know, there's this funny thing where the world doesn't know that you've suddenly had this little, like, lily pad of epiphany around mortality that just suddenly eclipsed your hit list of to-do things. And they're all still waiting there, like your mortgage payments do, and you can't hang on to that level of gratitude all the time. You still have to clean the toilet bowl. You have this laundry list of stuff that just needs to get done that's urgent and unimportant. And at the same time, you have this stuff that's maybe not urgent and really important. And that's the stuff that gives your life a lot of meaning. Writing to your grandmother or calling your mom on her, your way home from work and just letting her know that you got that piece of mail and it really meant a lot. Or taking the time to go in and lie down next to your kid in the dark and just hear, like, you know, who are you thinking about asking to win her ball? I think when I first talked to you, I was a little, like, I tend to get really flippant when I talk to you just because we've known each other for a really long time that I can kick into, like, ba dum bum But the truth is, like, there... There is a lot to be undone about not knowing how we're going to die. How weird is it that you're here one day and you're gone the next and everybody has a little paragraph in the newspaper and they clean out your locker and then they mow a little turf of grass where you were 
And everyone says, isn't it great our kids are old enough that they, they actually were kind of launched. You know, she taught them how to swim. Okay. We're not treating the whole breast anymore. Just treating that small area. Okay. Over near your scar. Okay. Okay? Yeah. It's the beginning of the end. Awesome. Finish line. Yeah. As far as the whole sort of breast cancer club, I kind of feel like I'm a fresh, I'm, I'm not even a freshman yet. I'm like a seventh grader. And I can see these bigger kids that are kind of like, oh, welcome to high school. You've just moved into this other building. And they're giving me advice about like what I should take for AP classes junior and senior year. And so the people that I think have really sat with this for five years as survivors or have had recurrences, they all remember as I'm going in to get my lymph node results, all of a sudden my phone is blowing up with six text messages from six women who all had breast cancer and they know that that's a big moment. And they also realize it's gonna hit you later. They know all of a sudden you're gonna burst into tears because you don't wanna have an oncologist. You want a massage therapist. You don't really wanna go to radiation and your nipple kinda hurts and you're sad, and they know that that's gonna hit you. So the level of kindness that I've been shown around this disease, breast cancer has no stigma. Breast cancer is like everyone wants to love you if you get breast cancer, but if you are an addict or you're mentally ill or you're dealing with something that has stigma, it's a different thing. So I would just like to take the kindness that's been shown me around this and like show that to other people that don't have diseases where people show up with corn chowder, you know. I think I'm gonna be sad. I think it's today. Susan Randall. Thank you to all the wonderful people at Radiation Oncology at the University of Vermont, Kate and Lena, Heather and Dr. Nelson. Also thanks to the University of Vermont Breast Care Center and to Michael Carice and Annie Mackin. If you want to hear more conversations with Susan, just go to the website rumblestripvermont.com and you will find them all there. Uh, you could just search for Susan or for Private Investigator. And if you want to learn more about her business, you can find her online at vtprivateeye.com. You're listening to Ticket to Ride by The Carpenters. If you had a moment to make a comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, um, that would be great. These comments really help new listeners find the show. And if you want to make a donation, that would also be great. There's a green donate button at the top right corner of the website, which again is rumblestripvermont.com. I will be back soon with another show. Thanks a lot for listening. He's got a ticket to ride.